go to the Lord again in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, once again we come before you and thank you for your word. Help us to study it, learn it, keep it. We're reminded of what the Lord said. Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and do it. I fear that we, at least I can speak for myself, but I believe I can speak for all of us, that we know far more about what Thy Word says than what we do. We know that we're to love You with our heart, soul, mind, body, and spirit continually. And we don't always do that. Even in our sleep, sometimes we have unholy thoughts. We thank you for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and he is the propitiation for our sins and it is in his name we pray. Amen. Coming back now to Chapter 4, as we read in closing this morning, verses 13 through 20, we're calling this Paul's physical state and ministry. And he said, you know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel to you at the first. It seems that Paul was under some type of physical sickness or infirmity when he first preached to the Galatians. And he says in verse 14, And my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despise not, nor rejected. I want us to look at this word temptation in a few places. We won't take the time to look at naturally all of them, but I have selected a few that we can look at to kindly give you an overview of what the Lord would have us to uh, think when he used this word temptation. You're going to see that it has a kind of a wide range in one sense. First of all, in Matthew chapter 6, we see the word used there. Matthew 6 and verse 13. 
from what's called the model prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But deliver us from temptation. Naturally, when we see that, we would think about uh, the temptations of the world, the temptations from the devil, and even the temptations of our own flesh. You know, we have to be, we want to be delivered from temptations. And naturally, we would like to be delivered from trials and afflictions. I think we'll go along with that as well. Matthew chapter 26, we see Jesus as he is in the garden of Gethsemane praying to his heavenly Father. And in verse 40 it says, And he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now what temptation did Peter and them succumb to in the garden? They went to sleep. They went to sleep. As he was praying, they went to sleep. I don't think necessarily the devil put them to sleep. He might have had something to do with it. The scripture doesn't tell us. I know that there have been times that I have determined that I was going to uh, give myself to uh, a period of time of, of pray, praying. And the next thing I know, I'm waking up. In other words, the, the, weary, the weariness of the flesh can be a form of temptation. Just the weariness of the flesh. Next, look at Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Verse 13. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And so you know how that the devil tempted our Lord when he was in the wilderness there, uh, trying to get him to make bread out of stone trying to get him to uh, worship the devil, trying to get him to cast himself down and off of the pinnacle of the temple and things of that nature. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20.
Paul was on the island of Miletus. And we'll pick up in verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to the sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the of the church of the congregation. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Now notice this. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. First Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 13, a well-known verse of Scripture for us. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. That's all I need to read in that. But in other words, we are tried, we are, we are put in various trials just like everybody else. It's not only just uh, the same as other Christians. We have uh, deaths with loved ones. We have loved ones that do not know the Lord. We have loved ones that are enemies. We have friends sometimes, casual friends that seem to be enemies. <laughs> the world's enemies. The devil. You know, just all sorts of things out there. But there's all kinds of trials and afflictions. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. And then verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Temptations. First Peter chapter one, verse six. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold, many different kinds of temptations. And then one other in chapter four, verse twelve of First Peter. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. So you can see the same thing even though the word temptation is not, is fiery trial. Fiery trial. And so we see that from these verses that we have read that temptations come not only from outward 
affliction administered by other people, the devil or inward sin, but physical infirmities are also possible temptations and trials that are uh, given unto us. So when Paul had all of these trials and all of these afflictions when he went there, it's hard to be able to say exactly what all of all of the temptations that he had, but it was in his flesh, in his flesh, which, like I said, seems maybe to indicate uh, possible physical infirmities. We know that in Second Corinthians chapter 10, notice what it said, what Paul said of himself. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, Paul writes, For his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. In other words, it seems like that uh, his, he was weakly of disposition. And you remember this morning that uh, we pointed out that where this historian gave this uh, likeness of Paul of being really small and having a small frame and a small head and a crooked nose and, and so on and so forth. Well, we don't know exactly uh, how Paul was, but we do know that uh, God used him in a, a gracious and a, a mighty way and that uh, he had to be in my mind, somewhat of a healthy individual to go through a lot of the things that he went through. For example, uh, I didn't have this written down, but I think there's one in First Corinthians. I've got... I found the one in 2 Corinthians that I want to read. But I think there's a list in 1 Corinthians. Just a moment. And I find it 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Listen to this. We'll take up in the middle of the context at verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Now notice this. In labors, more abundant. That means just working. Paul was a tent maker. 
And in First Thessalonians, I know there's a place there where Paul talks about that he uh, was working night and day uh, to provide for others that traveled with him. But not only did he work night and day, it also said in that same epistle that he prayed night and day. Paul was an a, a industrious individual, spiritually and physically. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, that's whippings, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In other words, all these other false apostles that are bragging about their stuff, Paul said, I've done this more than they have. In death, off. In other words, his life was threatened on more than one occasion. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Well, uh, if he had gotten forty stripes, five times, that's two hundred stripes. So, but they saved one. So that was 196 stripes. 195 stripes, excuse me. The math was off there a little bit. Can you imagine being beaten like that? Thrice, that is three times, I was beaten with, with rods. Once, was I stoned? Thrice, three times I suffered shipwreck. Now he wrote this before he was shipwrecked in Acts chapter 27. So at least four times he suffered shipwreck. A night and the day have I been in the deep. How would you like to be floating around out in the sea for a night and a day? In journeyings, often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils by mine own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. I mean, it didn't just look like wherever Paul was, there was an enemy. In weariness and painfulness. You know, one thing to just be, you know, having a hard day's work and you just, you just wore out. But Paul had a lot of those days that he was in the service of the gospel and everything. He was just wore out. Weariness, painfulness, even hurt. No doubt there was some time Paul was preaching and he was hurting physically. I, I've actually hurt. I've actually uh, at times been preaching and, and hurt physically. Some of my joints, some of my back sometimes are hurting and things of that nature. I remember one time, and I'm not trying to brag on myself, but I remember one time I was preaching and uh, had around 103, 104 degrees temperature. 
hot July when I drove back home. I had a, I was 100 miles away from where I lived at that time, and I was traveling up the interstate uh, in my car with the windows rolled up, with the air conditioner off, in hot July uh, summer, and I was chilled. Well, I don't know with the, my age that I, I would have that kind of stamina now. But my point is, uh, this was kind of common for Paul. That wasn't common for me. In hunger and thirst. Excuse me, in watchings often. In other words, he was looking over his shoulder a lot of times. Hunger and thirst. He's not talking about fasting here. He's talking about those times that he didn't have enough to eat or enough to drink. I haven't lived in a situation like that in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily the care of all the congregations. And Paul goes on to say, Who is weak? I am not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory in the things which concern my infirmities. I know that's what Paul said. I know that that's the kind of spirit that I ought to have. But I know that I don't know anything about glorying in my infirmities. There may be weakness on my part, maybe lack of faith, it may be a lot of things. And I'm trying to be open and honest as much as I know. But Paul was in temptations in his preaching of the gospel. He was of a there was temptations in his flesh. And it seems that this infirmity or affliction that Paul had was somewhat of an outward bodily Affliction may be somewhat disfigured in his countenance. He said, And my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not. Now, if, if this was some type of an eye disease that was supposedly uh, something that took place in the region of Galatia. And Paul had some type of eye infection. 
Can you imagine him uh, standing there preaching and uh, having an eye infection and maybe uh, tears and or uh, pulse running out down his face as he tried to preach? That wouldn't be a pretty picture, would it? But the Galatians accepted him. The Galatians accepted him. They received him as an angel of God. Satan may have been part of the temptation. Look at First First Thessalonians, chapter two. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, Wherefore we would have come to you, even I, Paul, once and again. But Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. And I've already read you that list in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And then we also know how that Paul, because of, in chapter 12, he had a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet him. And he besought the Lord three times that he might depart from him. But the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for thee. And when he said that this temptation in Luke twenty two twenty eight, Jesus made this statement to the disciples. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. In other words, Jesus' ministry was a ministry of temptations. Can you imagine the sinless Lamb of God living in this sinful world, putting up with sinners, how much of a trial or affliction that would have been to Him? You remember there were times that Jesus looked round about not only of His enemies, but sometimes with His own disciples, and He looked, and looked upon them with anger. Just, just as if, uh, of course, he wasn't frustrated, but just like you, you know, you've you've got children that uh, you tell them time and time and time and time and time and time again, and they just keep doing the same thing over and over again. You want to throw up your hands and quit. But the point is that the whole ministry of Christ was a a life of temptations. Paul said his ministry was a life of temptations. And God has told us that all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer what? Afflictions. It should not be what's the word I'm looking for? It should not surprise us that we too 
In our endeavors to serve the Lord, there are many trials and afflictions and temptations. There's no greater temptation, I guess, in one sense, for a person who desires to put the Lord first and serve Him as much as he knows how that Jesus said He didn't come to bring peace but a sword and the whole family would turn against Him. It's one thing to have a friend to turn against you. Maybe another professing believer to turn against you. Jesus talked about His own familiar friends turned against Him. David, if you remember, had a son that tried to kill him. Well, I haven't had that yet. (laughs) But there are trials, there are afflictions, there are temptations in the service of the Lord. And Paul was not exempt from them. Often a congregation may be skeptical to receive a minister that is not one that goes along with the crowd and is an outcast from the mainstream. I've got a piece of paper somewhere. In fact, it may be in my bag over here. But it was talking about this preacher that uh, sent in a resume to a congregation to uh, to pastor. And it talked about how this minister, everywhere he went, it always caused trouble. He'd been in jail several times. And uh, on and on and on it talked about how uh, controversial this minister was. Well, it was nothing more than a biographical sketch of the Apostle Paul. (laughs) But most congregations wouldn't want a man like that for their pastor. Well, he's a jailbird. He's been in jail. Everywhere he goes, he causes trouble. He's been out, you know, just on and on and on. I can't remember exactly how it goes. But whatever the temptation was that Paul was enduring, thankfully the Galatians, it did not allow them to uh, keep them from listening to him or prevent them from accepting him even as an angel, as it says in verse 14. And my temptation which was in my flesh Ye despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Jesus Christ. They accepted Paul as if he were the Lord himself. The outward appearance or the natural talents 
should not be the determining factor of accepting the minister of God. A God-called minister should be accepted as an angel of God, that is, as a messenger. He should be accepted as a messenger of God. And he should be accepted as if one is, is accepting the Lord Himself. Let's look at a few passages. Well, notice there in, in that 14th verse. He said, But received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Paul said, You accepted me as if I were the Lord. Now that didn't mean that they were worshiping Him or anything of that nature. But it does teach that when a man of God is teaching the Scriptures, it is as if Jesus Christ were preaching to them. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. You say, preacher, that's a mighty powerful statement. Well, I'll tell you one thing, I wouldn't make it if the Bible didn't say it. Frankly, I cannot imagine being in the place of Christ. And yet, if I'm a God-called man, I am. But in Matthew chapter 10, as our Lord was sending out the disciples, in verse 40, he said, He that receiveth you, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. When a God-called man is preaching the Scriptures, and someone turns their back on that and walks away from it, they have rejected not only the uh, they have rejected Christ and they have rejected God. I should have thought about this, but I didn't. I don't have it written down. But I think on more than one occasion, you remember when the children of Israel were on Moses' back, and, and Moses went before the Lord, and what did the Lord tell Moses? And I believe he said this to Elijah and some of the other prophets. They haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. To reject the truth as it is in Christ Jesus preached by a sinful man is to reject God. Look at Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. This is when He sent out the 70. In, chapter, in Matthew chapter 10, talking about the 12. 
But here in Luke chapter 10, verse 16, He that heareth you heareth me. He that despiseth you despiseth me. And he that despiseth me despiseth him that sent me. First John, first epistle of John, chapter four, I'm going to start at verse one. Beloved, believe not every spirit that uh, but try the spirits whether they be are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So a spirit here is a false prophet. You know you can't you can't see the Holy Spirit, can you? You can't see an angel who are spirits. You can't try them, but you can try preachers. You can see them. You can hear what they have to say. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it's come, and even now already, already, already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Notice this. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. But ye, believer, are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So these passages, and we can multiply the passages, show that anyone that is going to reject the gospel, they're rejecting God, they're rejecting Christ. And when they reject the minister, they're rejecting God. And when you receive the man of God as an angel, as a messenger of God, you have received the Lord Jesus Christ. You have received the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, beloved, congregational membership and giving heed to the gospel of God Preached by a faithful minister is no small thing. And Paul commends the Galatians how that they had first received him. Verse 15 Where is then the blessedness you spake of? In other words, that's how you received me. Where is that spirit now? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes 
and have given them to me. Now for the way this is reading, this is the reason some people think that Paul had an eye disease and that he had such a trouble and uh, in fact in some of the epistles where Paul puts his handwriting to it, he said, you see how large a hand I have. In other words, he had poor vision, so he wrote big. You know, we have uh, Bibles with giant print for people that have trouble seeing. Thankfully, I can still see. I can, uh, I still put out my notes in nine-point type. Uh, but some of my brethren now, they have to uh, make their notes in 12, 14 uh, point type in order to see it better. Though I do have some uh, uh, beginnings of cataract, so whether I have to take care of that before I die, only the Lord knows. But my doctor told me, said, as long as I can put up with it, put up with it. <laughs> so that's what I do. But thankfully I can still see that. Whether that's what was Paul's physical problem or not, we don't know. It may be just a statement of saying that they would, you know, they, they give their right eye for you. You know, people say, you know, I give my right arm, my right eye, I give this, that. <clears throat> like I said this morning, I have been uh, a couple of places in my past, in my ministry, when I first went there, it seemed like that every one of them would have given me their eyes. But it wasn't long that uh, right the opposite were true. I remember one place where I was, where they, uh, uh, by the time it got down to where I was going to have to leave, uh, even the the uh, my pants leg was too short for some of them. You know, it's, it's amazing what the people would uh, gripe at you about. You know, just uh, pick you apart. Some think that because Paul, when he was struck down on the road to Damascus, and he was blind for a while, and you know, for and he didn't couldn't see and all of that, they think that that damaged Paul's eyesight. And if you want to study that, you would look at Acts chapter nine, verses three, eight and nine, twelve, seven and eighteen. And then Acts chapter 22, verses 11 through 23. Whether that was the case, we don't know. It's also been suggested that the thorn in the flesh that's spoken of in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, that that was uh, what Paul is talking about here. And some think that the thorn in the flesh was bad eyesight and so on. 
People ask me, so what do you think the thorn in the flesh was? I said, I believe it's what the Bible said, a messenger of Satan. You say, well, what did, it, what did he do? Let's turn and read that, by, by the way, right quick. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, <clears throat> there was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. You say, well, what did, what did that messenger of Satan, what did that angel of Satan do? I don't know. I can't go any further. I can't go any further. <coughs> I've heard all kinds of preachers say all kinds of different things. I've read all kinds of commentators that said all kinds of different things. And uh, I'm none the wiser. <laughs> Nothing concrete is mentioned in Second Corinthians 12, nor here in Galatians uh, 4.15 as to what all this was. <clears throat> Often when a minister goes among a congregation, as I've said before, at the first, he accepted with open arms, and as it were, he could do no wrong. Sadly, it may later prove otherwise. <clears throat> like I said, I've forgotten that I had even written this down from a personal experience. I went to a congregation once, they were accepted with great praise and they were willing to spend to be spent for me. In fact, they were even talking about uh, taking up money and buying me a brand new car and, and all such as that. But toward the end, I re like I said, I received criticism that the hem of my pants were too short because they were above my shoe top. <laughs> Well, it's sad how people can get sometimes. Listen to what Martin Luther had to say about this, and I'll read this in closing. Here he, that is Paul, showeth the reason why he speaketh the Galatians so fair. For he suspected that they take him for an enemy because he had reproved them so sharply. I pray you, saith he, set apart these rebukes and separate them from doctrine, and you shall find that my purpose was not to rebuke you, but to teach you the truth. Indeed, I confess that my, minute, my, that my epistle is sharp and severe. But by this severity I go about to call you back again to the truth of the gospel from which ye are fallen, and to keep you in the same. Therefore apply this sharpness and this bitter por portion not to your persons, but to your disease. 
Judge me not to be your enemy in rebuking you so sharply, but rather think that I am your father. For unless I love you dearly as my children, and show you also that I am beloved of you, I would not have reproved you so sharply. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this congregation. How they are willing to look over my infirmities of many ways. My direct speech sometimes that seems and made no doubt sounds to be so sharp and critical when it's not meaning to be that way. I'm thankful that they understand me in, in, in that way. Thankful that they look over my infirmities and I'm thankful that they are quick to receive the word of the Lord that is spoken unto them. But I also thank you, my God, that they that they read the scriptures. And that if they find something that I've said amiss, that they would bring it to my attention and do it in a way that is respectful to the office of the ministry. It's sad to see congregations that do not accept their ministers as such and hold them in the esteem that they ought. And sad to say too many ministers no doubt have more esteem held to them than they deserve. So it's a two-way street. Help us to be faithful whether we be the minister or whether it be the one listening to the minister, minister, let us be faithful to your word above all things. And give us faithful men who are not afraid to speak the gospel of Christ. And it is in his name we pray. Amen.